Welcome to Car Wash, the podcast, your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. So put it in neutral, feed off the brakes, and take your hands off the steering wheel, because here we go. Here is your guide on this journey, Car Wash Magazine Editor-in-Chief, Matt DeWolf. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Car Wash, the podcast. This is the podcast that makes you a better car washer and a slightly, yes, slightly better human being. As always, I'm your host, Matt Wolf, editor-in-chief of Car Wash Magazine. And today we're going to be talking a lot about the future. Now, we talk a lot about things that you can do in the immediate term in your business to make better choices, to get more customers, to get more unlimited members, and to, to retain more talent. But today we're going to be talking about longer term strategies. And to do that, we're joined by Chris Riddell. He's a uh, global futurist and trend spotter. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Great to chat. So, Chris, tell me, where are you right now? I'm now in a beautiful, sunny Chicago. It wasn't that sunny uh, a few days ago. And who knew it snows in April in Chicago? And I was... I was caught out. So did, by the way, a lot of other Chicago people that obviously live here full time. So they had no excuse. But I was caught out with a T-shirt as it started. I've never been so cold in my life. But um, yep, sunny Chicago and um, traveling uh, with my little three-year-old girl on my own uh, through the US, which I can tell you has been a wild experience, a wild experience and and a whole heap of fun. Well, bless you for even being here. I mean, <laughs> good grief. <laughs> Not at uh, all. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I think being in Chicago right now, so I'm in Minneapolis, um, similar. We're, our winters are pretty long and cold. One thing you need to know, Chris, is that when it gets above 32 degrees, that's flip-flop season. Like, it's on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I went out. I went out. this. So you, I, I, I'm really bad at degrees and Fahrenheit thing. But all I knew, this is how bad I am as a Melburnian, right? Um, uh, sun's out. And I was out yeah. in a T-shirt this morning. Yeah. Went out for breakfast, T-shirt. Everyone's looking at me like I'm bananas out there. Again, you're crazy. Maybe we've got thick duffel coats. And five minutes in, I realized why they're all looking at me like that. And, that, and it was. But um it's it's it there's there's no, I reckon there's nowhere that's reminded me more of Melbourne in the world than being in Chicago because we have a saying over there that um, if you don't like the weather in Melbourne wait sixty seconds and <laughs> it's it's four seasons in a day it's 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 crazy if you go out ever without a jacket in Melbourne you're a you're a crazy person <laughs> that's funny well I mean I don't know if that's good or bad for car washing but we can we can talk about that in a little <laughs> bit here um, all right so I I have to say like. I kind of mm. want to be a futurist. I don't even really mm. know what that means, um, <laughs> but I, I want to be one. It just sounds cool. So could you just kind of like um, give us the 10,000 the 10, foot version of what a futurist is and does? This is, this is actually a really good question and a really good time to ask this. And my answer would have been different probably 18 months to two years ago. If I look at this, there's two different types of futurists. There are what I call the academic and they're the clever ones which i'm not in that camp there's these really clever ones they've they've studied an enormous amount of uh academia they've been to uh and done heaps and heaps of research for decades they've got long gray hair a lot of them but they're, they're, they're fantastically clever really really clever people um 
and they are um, their futurists uh, in the sense that that people have probably heard about a little bit more over over the decades that have, have been around uh, a while. And then there's these other, this other camp, which is this camp I sit in, which is this 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 no man's camp. It's the ones that uh, nobody's really understood for a long time, and we've kind of never really had a home. Um, and that's the space that I fit in, and it's this half half entertainer, half inspirer, and half um, uh, industry uh, expertise puller in uh, of information. And to, to give you some context to that, I'm you and I are the same age. We had this chat before we were we were just yeah. joining on. Um, when when I, when we were going through our career, our work life, in, when we were in our twenties. I was always in a job where nobody really knew what it was that I did, but they kept employing me to do this stuff. And there came this term generalist. And nobody really back then thought being a generalist was a very good idea. You had to really specialize in something. Like you had to be an accountant or uh, you had to be a dentist or you had to be a data-based programmer or an architect. You know what I mean? You had to have really specific roles. But there were some very, very forward-thinking organizations back when I was in my 20s that realized, actually, that doesn't ex- that's not always the case. You need somebody that can cross over different areas and connect all of the different part of the businesses, whether it's uh, sales and marketing and engineering and technology and bring them all together. So I've always been in a generalist role where we bring all these different things together. And it's like a translator role. I've always been the translator of technology to the real people in the world. I've always been the person that helps the real people out there understand what the technology business is doing and that that conduit bit. So the futurist bit that I do now takes all of that and it takes an entertainment piece and storytelling and brings it all together. And the way I described this recently to somebody is that I'm, I'm a dad just like you are and I read my little girl's stories every single night. I'll get her out a book and read a story. It's our thing we do before we go to bed. That is hardwired into us as humans. We love storytelling, whether we're five years old or whether we're 50. We love the art of storytelling. And if you combine that with insights and expertise and mix it all together in the right way, you can inspire people to, to go out and, and, and do some extraordinary stuff and, and to effect change. And there has never been a better time in the world to go out and, uh, and do change. And I, I, I've been doing this, this role I'm in now for over a decade. And I love it, but it's, it's crazier now than it's ever been. Well, t- I've got two things for you. One, one is I, I think you just convinced me that I need to change my job. So, so there's that, uh, t- two, I, I have to know, um, have you memorized any of the books that you read to your, your child? Oh, which ones? <laughs> what's the, which what's ones? the favorite? Which one's the favorite? Oh, she's got these ones called the Gruffalo um, series. I don't know right. if they're even over uh, here. <laughs> um, I, they're by, by the way, they're Julia Donaldson, um, this amazing author. Uh, over, and I've never met her. Just every single one of her books is so, so spot on. And there's, there's one out there that, um, um, we'll talk about the post-COVID stuff in a minute, but there's one out yeah. there that she's written, and it's called The Stick Man. 
And it's okay. about this, this stick man that um, goes away and uh, gets separated from his stick family because he has to go and do some things. And um, he gets further and further away. And all he wants to do is come back and be with his stick family. And eventually Santa Claus brings him back uh, on Christmas Day. And that story gets me every single time. My little three-year-old girl just loves the story anyway. But for me, I just look and go, wow. That 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 was that was me. That was me for for so long. We always going away and wanting to to come back. And Julia Donaldson, I a huge huge plug for her. I've never met her. Um, uh, no idea who she is, but man, she she writes some incredible stories. And if you've got kids out there, go and get some of her books. They're amazing. Nice, nice. I love that. I love that. Ours growing up, uh, for all three of our kids went through uh, Good Night Moon. So that was one we were uh-huh. like every every night. Good Night Moon got read. Uh, but anyway, we're, I'm getting, I'm getting us off topic here. We're talking about kids. This is a show for, mm. for people in car washing, uh, who also many have kids. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about the future. So, mm. um, in the car wash space right now, a lot's been mm. changing and there's been a lot of kind of emphasis on data and a lot of emphasis on customer experience. Let's mm. start back a little bit in terms of, um, I want to get into, how things are changing, right? And the pace of things. So for me, I just as, as a casual observer, I sort of noticed um, several years ago when you started seeing uh, digital menus start to pop in to all these different retail mm. environments, right? And they started trying to, businesses started trying to do stuff with that. Um, yeah. And you started to see all this hardware coming into play. I'm not seeing a, as much of the hardware come into play. What's actually happening? Like help help me understand where, where all the change is coming. So there's a couple of things that have been happening that are really interesting. And, and, and we'll bring it back to just even what I've experienced in the last few days here. Because one, the, the one of the awesome things, and I have to remind myself of this all the time, one of the awesome things I get to experience with the job I do is I travel to countries and drop in mm. at such high frequency throughout the year. So I get to see which different parts of the world are adopting technologies from a consumer perspective and what different types of rates. And it's been fascinating to see in two, so, so um, pre-COVID, um, we live, I spent half the year uh, house in Huntington Beach uh, in California okay. and half the year in Melbourne, Australia. And Melbourne's our, our real home. I'm an Mel- uh, Australian citizen, so that's de- okay. technically our real home. Um, and then having February 2020 evacuated out of um, Huntington Beach, bang, back to Australia, two years. And this is the first trip I've done in over two years. So it's been fascinating to see some of the changes happen. And we'll come to that in a second. The, the bit that you talk about the acceleration and the pace of change, you're absolutely right. Last 10 years, uh, change has uh, been going faster and faster, adoption of technology. And the interesting thing that's happened over COVID, and I noticed very early on in COVID, I'd be talking to clients doing virtual events and as part of the briefing calls that I would have with them, one thing became really apparent. During COVID, we stopped this fear thing around robotics and artificial intelligence and and, and, and robots out in the street taking over because every single phone call I had with a client pre-COVID Always. One of the things was, hey, Chris, there's a little bit of fear about AI with our audience. Could you address that, please? Could you talk around that so that we can kind of flatten that curve a little bit? Bang! COVID happens. That completely stopped. The question is why? I mean, fundamentally, it was this technology, the consumer tech, that saved us during the pandemic. And humans, us as consumers, we suddenly realized, wow, 
actually, this stuff's pretty good. Um, yeah. It's going to save and help us. And it really did. If we, I mean, even if we'd have had the pandemic five years before, so much of the stuff that we took for granted didn't exist anywhere near uh, the way that it did during the pandemic. So the, the bottom line there is consumer tech saved us. And we, we realized that in a really big way. Um, the so what now is what we're seeing yeah. are organizations, businesses, so big, big, big business. So banks, insurance companies, big and big uh, old world organizations, they are now using this, this window that we've got uh, of opportunity to really rapidly innovate and create new stuff because they, they know that consumers are in this space now going, Actually, that was pretty good what we saw. Now we've seen over COVID what we could do with technology. We saw some of the pretty cool stuff. Show us what else we can do. The really innovative businesses are going to take this opportunity, particularly ones that have struggled because of legislation or they've mm. felt a little bit too risk averse around doing stuff. So financial services, banking particularly, is a really good example. They're going to use this window and they're going to rapidly innovate. They're going to use a lot of the tricks out of the rule book from yeah. the startup industry um, that we've seen out of the likes of Silicon Valley. Um, uh, that's going to be a big thing that we're going to see where old world organizations that everyone has been saying have been too stagnant and slow. Watch this space. They're, they're shifting pretty quickly. Um, the other part, um, which we can talk a little bit later, is the rise of China, the rise of the East. There's this yeah. East versus West thing going on uh, at the moment. We'll come back to that a bit later. I said we talk about this bit where I, I, I get this luxury of traveling and seeing change. The thing that I have noticed in the last few days on more than one occasion is you, we've got hardware, which is exactly the point you talked about there. We've got heaps of hardware around. But we've now, what I've noticed, particularly over here, is a slowdown on adoption with some of the actual ability of what that technology is doing. I'll give you an example. Frictionless pay and go, the TAP technology. When that started, Australia was lagging behind embarrassingly, embarrassingly. So much so that the banks banned Apple Pay over in Australia because they two things one they didn't want the transaction charges which um is relatively understandable uh, but the second one was they wanted a lot more data out of the transaction uh, and they didn't want apple to have access to that so there was a lot of fighting going on meanwhile the rest of the world overtook so the united states i was coming over here going, this is so unfair you guys have just got apple pay everywhere what's going on i've come over here and wow, I was in a restaurant. I've got six stories in the last week where I, I was in a restaurant the other day. I wanted to pay. That pay, I genuinely didn't have my wallet with me because I can honestly tell you, I never take it anywhere with me anymore. And the server came up and gave me the, the, the check. Um, and I'm like, cool, where's the terminal? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, I want to pay with my... You don't have a wallet? No, I don't have a wallet. Well, how, how are you going to pay for your meal? I'm not, I'm not trying to barter with goats here. I mean, I've got a, I've got a legal form of currency. It's yeah, Apple thunder, Pay. Yeah. So that they went, they went and got the manager. And I, I, Matt, I kid you not, mate. This is a very touristy. It's your uh, Chicago. It's the Italian restaurant yeah, street. Yeah. I forget the name of the street. It's. I'm in the old town, staying here, and it's just literally around the corner. 
the manager comes out, walks out and says, I hear you haven't got a way of paying for your lunch. I'm like, hold on, let's back this truck up. I've got a, I've got Apple Pay. What do you mean I haven't got a way of paying for my lunch? And it gets better. So I say, I've got, I'm, I'm not trying to, to barter with animals here. I would like to actually pay. I've got Apple Pay. Well, if you haven't got a wallet, we're going to have to escort you to the terminal. I'm like, Whoa, this sounds like I'm going to prison. What do you mean escort me to a terminal? And I said, what's a terminal? What do you mean? What, what, what's, the, what's the terminal? They took me down an alleyway. I tell you what, I thought it was an Italian movie. I took, took me down an alleyway, down some stairs. I've got my little three-year-old girl with me. We're going down into this basement with these Italian mafia guys looking around there. And we're going down there, and they're just, they just point to this machine. I tap it, and I'm like, doop, and it works. I'm like, okay. So... Why was this such a big thing? Like, why, I, why, why, why is this, this, this huge thing? Why have I been taken into a basement to do this and feel like some second-rate citizen? And the point of the story there is it's, this is where the friction comes between yeah. old-world process and new-world technology, and there's this resistance. And I'd, I clicked once I'd left why, why there's the issue in some ways. There's part of it, I, I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong, I love your opinion on this, but the, the only conclusion I could come to is it's around tipping, that if I do a tap and go, the, the transaction then is all completed. Because as soon as I'd done that in the basement, they then looked at each other and, well, how do we give him the check for the tip bit now? How do we do that? And it was this awkward, well, there's the bill, but you paid, so you don't need. So it's it's just old world process and, and new world technology and that's so frustrating so frustrating and by the way this has happened i checked into the hotel here um they have apple pay on the terminal but they said oh apple pay is not connected on our system here you just go wow this is we're seeing we're seeing we're seeing a slowdown there and that's that's the bits i get frustrated with is where we well, see a lot of everything to be able to do it's a lot of half measures, right? I mean, it's mm. like we, we want to get there, but we can't quite go all the way in. We can't quite let ourselves take the full plunge. And then Bye. I think Absolutely. I think one of the things too, like that it is a really good reminder for folks in the car wash space that your story really highlights is um, because I, I know our folks do this. They get, they get really frustrated with the customers, right? And it, it can slip pretty quickly into a terrible customer experience. I mean, think about your experience in that restaurant. You got escorted out to a back alley to go pay for your meal. Like a back alley you're not down going into back a dungeon, yeah. into a dungeon and yeah. told, I quote, I quote, we will escort you to the terminal. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. That's not good. So we need to keep what? that in mind. We need to be like, look, even <laughs> if, even if we don't, even if we want to be rigid in our process and we want to be a little mm. old school, don't make the customers feel bad for that. That's not, that's not on them. That's on you. So I think we need to be and, and really careful with that. It is. And, you know, it's that old, I hate the saying, but it, and I'm not going to say the customer's always right because far from it, they are yeah. not, right? We are far from always right. But you you cannot isolate customers on on, on things like that when, when the yeah. technology is just in, in abundance. If it was a real fringe technology thing, Apple Pay, early days, you get it. This stuff has been around for ages. If you're, and, and here's a classic example, car washes. I love them in, in Australia. And, and um, 
I, I've lost count how many times my trips when we were in lockdown um, was to go yeah. and use a car wash. Um, and I'm sure there's heaps of stories you've got across the country here all touch and go and they have been for years if if i rocked up to a car wash in in australia and they expected even to have a physical card in it i would think that was old school now it's just phone face recognition tap and go bang you're off it's removing that friction milliseconds count in transactions right milliseconds count and people will make decisions on which business to go on based on stuff like that consumers are so, so um, friction averse when it comes to things like that. We could talk about the opposite of actually when friction is created sometime on, on another time, but it's essentially for, for this type of business of where we're at, fractions of seconds count. They, they really, really do. And it says so much about a business's mentality to a consumer like that experience I had there when you can't do that. It just, you, it, it raises so, so many questions. Like it's, it's, this is the wrong time to be on that side of the fence in history. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, and you bring up a, you bring up a good point, right? So, um, payment technology in the car wash space has been challenging for a long time. We're, we're making progress. We're going to get there. I think, I think we're going to finally figure it out. I think so. Um, Apple pay, right. Contactless payments. That's a great technology that folks should be looking at. What do you think about um, and how fast do you think this is coming? What do you think about the vehicle as the, as the wallet? Like, what do you think about that tech? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the, the interesting thing is it's very similar to the tel- telecommunications operators, right? So yeah. I keep picking this device up. I don't have a SIM card even in here anymore, right? Um, I have uh, eSIMs. Yep. So... I've the, the 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 problem for network operators around the world is they've just become removed from the relationship more and more and more. They've just become essentially a dumb pipe. Um, the same has been happening with banks. I mean, I used to have at least I, I can't remember the last time I went into a branch in a bank. I, I walked past a Chase Bank here earlier and thought, wow, I haven't been inside a bank in years. My daughter has never been in a bank i would be very surprised if she will go in one any time before her teens whereas rewind back when i first started school they even had a a bank in the school they even had a bank set up there that the kids operated and it was i remember it was barclays in in the uk and the kids operated a little barclays branch and they had the paying in book and all that stuff so you got that real relationship with a bank starting from such a young age now as adults, even the wallet that I physically had a car, which was the last remaining bit of the relationship, it's disappeared. I don't have that. The same goes for network operators. So cars becoming the wallets, I mean, anything can, anything becomes our, uh, a point of, uh, of transaction opportunity here that, that, can, that can have a wallet. I mean, there's even on the BBC yesterday, they were saying, uh, and there's, there's a fascinating article there that it's a, a guy that has a chip now inside him that he can go and uh, oh. pay with um, just under his skin and he's got a chip inserted. You just go, I mean, it sounds weird now, but in a few years' time, it, it really won't be these this 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 frictionless technology stuff is far from anything new um and it's completely completely acceptable now the other thing is that have a think about this i mean 
I, I am always so reluctant. It's all uh, trust is a, is, is a big topic, whether it's trust yeah. in banking or trust with businesses or trust on an individual level. Trust is one of the biggest trends that we have going on around at the moment. And I, when I'm doing financial transactions, I hate putting my Amex card or my MasterCard in and typing it into a website because yeah. I don't trust people's websites, right? I do, however, like clicking where it gives me the option, either PayPal or um, uh, Apple Pay, because I trust PayPal and I trust Apple Pay. And this is a, a really fascinating bit. So it isn't just about making transactions frictionless and online, but it's about giving people the pipe by which they want to be able to have it that is a trustworthy platform for themselves. Uh, and this is where... Apple as an organization are fascinating. Yeah. They are less about the technology and more about the trust. And, and they've been doing that for years. That, that, that for them has been a huge, huge part of their business strategy all around trust. And look, look how we, we, we've adopted that now. Apple Pay is just, it's, it's this yeah. casual normal vernacular. Yeah, that's crazy. We're heading toward a brand conversation a little bit, so we'll we'll pull back ah, from that. We'll, okay, we'll save that. Sorry. We'll save that for other folks. That's okay. That's I'll talk brand all day too. But uh, I want to I want to come oh, back sorry, yeah. to I want to come back to customer experience because your story about the bank, like I, I was nodding along with you because literally last week I took my 13 year old into the bank and we sat down and we had to get a debit card, right? And it was I was <laughs> we walked in and the first thing she said was, "Huh." I didn't know there were offices in here. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, you've never been in a bank. Like you've never had a reason to go inside. So it was a, it was kind of like Terrifying. A, weird, a weird experience of like old meeting new. Cause even now when you walk into the banks, they've got these rows of these like gorgeous ATM machines that can do pretty much everything you need to do without ever speaking to a human, which then means <laughs> when you go talk to the human, those interactions are a little different and they can be a little weird. So that's, that's a story for another day. We had a little bit of a strange interaction, but we got the debit card and all was fine. I want to talk about how is this technology changing customer experiences in the retail space? I think what it's doing is it's if you're not a business that's able to keep up with that pace of change, first of all, it's threatening you um, because um, it's it's changing the dynamics of where we have relationships in a retail experience. Um, if you solely rely, let's go back to the restaurant example of me when I'm coming to pay. If a big part of your experience to get your tip, for example, or to, to close off the transaction was that bit where you had to physically hand over a piece of plastic and you haven't, and you're not able to adapt to the fact that part of the transaction is changing. You're in a mess. You're in a real mess. But if you're an organization, a restaurant or retail outlet, whatever it is that has shifted where you have that experience and where you really focus and spend the time with the consumer and what you're doing with the consumer, then you're fine. You're, you're, you're leading the pack and you're reinventing yourself. And that's the important bit here, right? I mean, um, things have changed. Times have changed. I, even in my role, I, I, I can tell you my daughter's the spitting image of me. She hates change. She hates it. Even this morning um, when I'm, we're going out and we're having pancakes for breakfast. And she's like, are these the same pancakes that we had last time? I want the same pancakes, Daddy. And I go, they're not quite. They're a little bit different. And it makes me a little bit awkward as well. 
we as humans are wired to hate change. But we're in heaps of it, and it isn't going to go back to how it was. The world is volatile, it's uncertain, it's hugely complex and lots of ambiguity. But if you can get your headspace into dealing with that and, and reinventing how you do that piece there, you'll go ahead of the competition and you'll go ahead real, real quick. And that's that's where the trick to a huge part of being uh, radically innovative is. What do you think... So. It used to be it used to be all about identifying the customer when they once they got to like pay right like mm-hmm. oh thank thank you Mister Riddell for mm-hmm. your business blah 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 yes I'm, I'm doing that transaction. Mm-hmm. What you're seeing now a lot more is trying to identify that customer sooner in that journey, and so uh, absolutely in, in in restaurant and retail that might look like emails, and then as they walk through the storefront in car washing. That's like um, membership uh, stickers, RFID, or license plate recognition, and being able to identify those folks when they get on the lot. Is that? Do you think that that's um, important? Do you think that's here to stay? I mean, what's your take on kind of the, the identifying a check-in versus check-out? I mean, I I find there are so many parallels, and 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 bear with me on this one. There are so yeah. many parallels between the car wash industry and the airline industry. Right. Mm. Um, when I rock up to um, um, the airport and, and Qantas, and I get on my Qantas flight, and I I fly a stupid number of Qantas flights a year, or pre pre COVID, I did. Where the airlines are really clever, the ones that get me are the ones that recognize me way before I set my foot on the air, on, on the on the actual physical plane, before I even get into the lounge. Yeah. It's the it's the airlines that catch me outside in the car park, or they call me the day before my flight just to check because they say, hey. Not just to check that they know I'm going on the flight, because of course I know I'm going on a flight, but they ring me and go, hey, Mr. Adele, ringing you up because we can see you've got a crazy itinerary coming up. You've got 13 flights in the next few days. And what we've done is we've made sure A, B, C, D, and E has been done for you. And you just go, that's clever. That's real clever. Airline industry are doing it. The hotel industry, um, one of my favorite hotel chains uh, in the world is the Ritz-Carlton. And they caught me when I was... Man, they hooked me in when I was in my early 20s, uh, late teens. And um, they've actually written a book. They have such a unique and clever practice on hospitality and customer engagement and how to really do that special moment capturing. They've written a book called The Ritz-Carlton Way. Um, and it's not. this is not a plug. I have no affiliation whatsoever with The Ritz-Carlton. But what they do, <clears throat> what they've done for a long time is do that catch people early bit before they yeah. even get onto a premise. And I remember once I was traveling from Ritz-Carlton, Dubai to Abu Dhabi and um, the Abu Dhabi one, as soon as I landed there, uh, walked in, they said, oh, we understood you were at the Dubai Ritz-Carlton yesterday and we understood you liked this particular whiskey. We've got one ready here waiting for you. Just wow. go, man, that is clever. That is clever. And that's not about just a gold card or a loyalty seam or emailing somebody with their latest offer. That's real customer intelligence. And the opportunity within the car wash industry is exactly the same. 
You've got AMPR, number plate recognition technology, exactly what you were saying there. You know who's been in, who's been out, how many cars they have in their family, how long they've been coming. If you've got multiple uh, uh, franchises, multiple uh, businesses and, and stations around, you know the movement of these people around your network. I mean, mm-hmm. use that data relentlessly. It's the most important asset you've ever had to do something different. And the limitations of what you can do that are only only set with you in your own imagination. But if you're collecting data, my thing with data is if you're collecting data and you're 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 storing it, then make sure that the value you give back to those consumers, the people you're collecting that off, is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, because that's where they'll see that's where you'll get real traction uh, with relationships. All right. So you're heading down my next favorite place to go, and that's that's on this data front. Um, so there's <laughs> there's a there's a story in, in a book about you know how target early on uh major retailers started doing too much <laughs> with their data identification and they made people a little bit squirrely right so they had to figure out how to dial yep. that back um and for those those who don't know the story it, in in essence it's uh target new shopping patterns they knew which patterns would lead to meaning that someone was pregnant and was having a child and they sent these coupons for diapers and formula and such to a home of a, of a father and a teen daughter. And the father was very angry <laughs> and he came in and he's like, I, what is this all about? Why are you sending me this? You know, I, my daughter's just a teenager. And he had to go back and eat his words because lo and behold, the teenage daughter was pregnant and all that data was accurate and it was selling an accurate picture. But after that target was like, maybe we should be a little less like in your face about how we use that data. So I like the, I like this idea of like, we need to be able to use this data, but talk to me a little bit about how do we thread the needle? Um, and you talked about a little bit about the fear going away with AI. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that we are as a whole getting more comfortable with that kind of interaction? Or do you think that we're still going to get a little bit like, whoa, maybe don't, maybe don't know too much about me? I don't think we're getting more comfortable with it. In fact, probably the, 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 the opposite in some yeah. ways. Um, Interestingly, um, that story that, that you recount there about the pregnant lady, I, I actually remember bringing that up a couple of years ago, that story. I since found out that it was actually a hoax. It wasn't true. Oh. But the point, yeah, and I got really embarrassed when I, I was told this on stage. Somebody turned around to me and said, huh, do you know that's absolute rubbish? Um, I'm like, oh, that's awkward. I went away and had a look. And the response I had was, it doesn't matter that it was, yeah. whether it was true or not. It could absolutely, without doubt, happen. Whether whether it specifically did on that that instance, the, the data that retailers collect absolutely could happen. There's, there's no doubt whatsoever. Um, the point here is, um, are we comfortable with that happening? Are we okay yeah, with yeah. that? Um, coming back to the privacy thing there are multiple brands out there that uh, of the devices that we're using uh, on a daily basis that are doing things like screening and allowing you to set up temporary private email addresses when you register up for things so that you can delete them afterwards and i can't tell you how many times i do this and i have to yeah. register for something and i go <laughs> I know why you're making me register because you're going to spam the living hell out of me yeah. <laughs> um, uh, afterwards. So I'm going to set up, and I used to have fake Gmail addresses for this, right? Where I'd have a list of 15 just trash Gmail addresses that I would use for signing up for stuff. 
However, that's not, I, I don't do that for everyone. If you're a business where I believe and I have a perception around that you're going to send me useful stuff, I will subscribe to you. And I have plenty of those um, across all sorts of uh, industries, whether it be media or retail. Or, or, but I, you have to have created a connection with me. You can't just say, hey, give me your email address and we want to uh, dump a whole load of stuff on you. Um, it, that, that doesn't work. And that's, that's, that's got even... Even even more so, we're more time poor than we've ever been in history. We are flooded with more information than we've ever been before in history. Our inboxes are just absolute chaos. I don't even look at my... I've got 18,000 unread emails in, in, in my inbox there. So it's ridiculous, right? seriously. Um, so just being somebody that's contributing to that pile of noise, you're never going to cut through that. You're, ne- you're yeah. never going to cut through that. You've got to craft and think differently because those are the ones that are succeeding and you will do really, really well. Um, data is still one of the most important resource, natural resources that we have as businesses. There's no doubt at all. But don't just be another email blaster outer and do something, do something different. Use that data in a way. Uh, if you're doing email campaigns, use it in a different way. Use it in a way that's going to really engage yeah. and get people to move their thumbs and do something. Yeah. Be intentional with that stuff. I mean, you've, mm. you, it's, it's the, uh, with great power comes great responsibility quote, right? Like do mm. something good with it. And this, this is not a product promo. I keep having yeah. a swig of this. All right. Well, so since you busted my urban legend, uh, mm-hmm. I, I've got another one that we people often like to use that I want to share with you. So do, do you mm-hmm. know about the, the, you know, the adage about the frogs, if you, you know, put the frog in the pot of water and then boil it slowly and the, the frog will, you know, get cooked and never know it. Have you heard that? No, not true. Thing is this not true? All right, so maybe this is only in the states. Maybe we're just weird over here, but um, I I think this is more of a southern thing where you know you might cook frogs and have frog legs and all that kind of thing. But um, Mm -hmm. the adage was that if you would if you would cook that item, if you would put it in a pot of water and then slowly bring it to boil, that the that the frog would never know it was it was getting boiled. It would just sit there and and endure it, right? So it's like that. The adage is that we as humans, oh, it's like you're in a pot of water that's slowly boiling you you don't know how much it's hurting until it's too late <laughs> totally false <laughs> totally false that frog's gonna jump out as soon as the water gets too hot so yeah no, we tell no, ourselves no, lots no. of stories <laughs> for lots of <laughs> lots of great purposes it, 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 it comes back to that thing earlier right that yeah. i said that we love and then don't forget don't ever forget and whether bring it there's a, there's a real message here we love stories as human yes. beings we love stories so whether you're using your data that you're collecting to do whatever it is that you're doing make it to be about telling a story because if you can be the business that's using data to tell a story to do something different to separate yourselves that's where you'll win and Carlish industry, man. Like I said, it's it's the similarities with the airline industry and yeah. and the airlines that have that have pushed through this COVID era because they've been spanked the hardest. They've come out and told stories. They've come yeah. out and told stories about the history of, of, of aviation and flying and what it means to be a part of. Like what they, that's that's how they've nailed that. And fundamentally, they've used data to do it. Awesome, awesome, Chris. We could talk for hours. Uh, we could. But- but I'm going to let you get back to your daughter <laughs> and let you get back to your, your, your whirlwind schedule here. Thank you so much 
for taking some time to, to share some insight with us today. Not at all, Matt. It's been a, a pleasure to jump out of Disney Plus for uh, just a, a few hours of YouTube, kids. But uh, I'm now going to go back to a snotty nose and uh, and go and, and play some some kids games. Nice, nice. Well, if you if you all are listening to this or watching this, and you want to um, hear more great stories uh, like we were just talking about, uh, you know where to do that. That's at CarWashThePodcast.com, CarWashMagazine.com, or anywhere that you are consuming your podcast content. Friends, until next time, there's only one thing you've got to do out there, and that is keep it clean. Car Wash the Podcast is your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. Our show helps investors, owners, operators, and managers think about ways to enhance their business. Our podcast is a free on-demand audio program that provides information on the latest trends impacting the industry, tips from successful industry leaders, and inspiration for our listeners.